say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Nobody tosses numbers back at you and says, Oh, Taysom Hill can never be a quarterback because of said stat. It's always, he's a linebacker, he's a tight end. <laughs> bad joke. Like, insert whatever bad joke you got for Taysom Hill. Because that's all I ever hear about it. It's time to fade the chalk. Fade the chalk. Presented by the FTN Network. Helping you win your fantasy leagues and dominate in DFS. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Brown and Adam Pfeiffer. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Fade the Chalk Podcast brought to you by the FTN Network. I'm your host, Ebro, and with me, as always, my co-host, Adam Pfeiffer. And on today's episode... This is going to be the sister episode, the marriage of the storylines for the NFL, what Adam and I are walking into training camp season, monitoring for all NFC teams. Adam, how are you doing today, man? Not great. Be honest with you. Um, mm. So we're sitting here. It's about 10, 15, 10, 20 a.m. on Tuesday. Going through our NFC storylines that we have written down, about to do the podcast, and like I always do, I have TweetDeck open in the background in case news breaks while we're recording the podcast. And Tom Pelissero reports that Cam Akers tears his Achilles. I read it out loud to you, and you told me to shut up because you hoped I was joking, and unfortunately, I wasn't. Um, So, like... We obviously have to lead with that, but for me and we've we both we both sat literally like I'm not even making this up. We sat in the streamyard call like in silence for like two minutes. Like we just sat and kind of like reflected because we're both we've both always been like, especially for these younger players that are just on the rise. Like this was going to be his first full season as a starter, his second season in the NFL. It's a week before training camp. Just an incredibly incredibly promising young player. And the season's over before. It's just like if your heart doesn't break, because I talk about this all the time when injuries happen, like this is their livelihood. Like this is their career. They put all this work into it. And one, you know, freak accident or one play or whatever, like it it ends. And like, yes, he's going to be back hopefully next season. But like a torn Achilles, we like that's become pretty much the worst injury in sports. And his career trajectory is completely changed now, and it's it's just heart wrenching. I tweeted like it's absolutely heart wrenching. I mean, man, I I got about a thousand thoughts swirling in my head right now. And yes, everybody like I, I, I the timeline has been flush on like people saying, "Oh man, um, check <laughs> go check on some of the guys over at FTN." Like um, with all this news, man, and you're right, man. I mean, like. We're, we're sitting here in the call about to hop on and record this episode and talk about all these NFC storylines and this news breaks. And honestly, I feel like just somebody punched me in the damn gut, man. Mm-hmm. And this is not like, oh, I, 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 I've touted Cam Akers and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're absolutely right, Adam. Like, his entire career arc just changed just like that. And... Our outlook for Cam Akers and Dynasty and Redraft and and what his career looks like and how promising it looked walking into the season and the preparation and the time and the hard work that he's put in to get to that point. It's devastating, man. And it's it's tough to to watch and injuries are a part of this game, man. I mean, every single player we love and we care about, like in this game and and that we watch play every single Sunday. 
it's just tough, man. It's it's a constant reminder that injuries are a part of the game. They suck. And I'm sorry, like, I'm going to put this out here in the space right now. If you're out on Twitter, if you're on social media, and you're going to be victory lapping an injury, or you're talking about how smart you think you are about telling somebody to pick up a backup of a player of whatever, the opposite side of that coin is true. If said player stayed healthy, then your analysis looks like shit. So if you're going to be out there victory lapping about a player getting injured, all I have to say is be better. Do better. Don't be like that. Like, we can all sit here and have better takes and better analysis than victory lapping any player, any player, and this is not just Cam Akers, any player out there getting injured. Be better than that. Yeah. I, like, that, like, that, the first thing I thought of was like, because the report came out and it was, I think it was Tom Pelissero. I'm pretty sure he worded it saying like a week before. And that was the first thing that stood out to me was like a week before training camp. Like, imagine how excited rough, Cam Akers must be, you know, getting ready, working out, you know, a, a team that's honestly like one of the best teams in the NFL. He's the focal point of their, their rushing attack. And like, all of a sudden he's not going to be there for them all year. And he probably feels like it's just, it's just an awful situation. And it's like, obviously we have to talk about like Daryl Henderson and stuff too, but it's just like, I just, I always think of like, you know, what if, what if something like, what if something happened where I couldn't do what I would love to do? It's just, it's just your heart breaks. Like it's absolutely gut wrenching. Um, And I really, really hope he can, you know, get his get his way back from this but man like torn achilles they are i i I don't think it's a i think they are legitimately probably the worst injury in sports now like it's it sucks and like like we we were supposed to record this podcast like an hour ago and we just we couldn't like we we were just sitting in kind of silence i've literally been sitting here like just not, I don't want to say stewing, but like in my thoughts about like we've been changing rankings over at FT and Fantasy. Um, we've been telling people in our Discord and stuff how to adjust the news as well as trying to absorb this, man. Like, I mean, literally, like, you know, you have players that you love to watch play the, this game that we all care about, this game about a game. And to see stuff like this happen before even training camp kicks off. It's rough, man. You know, like, especially when we we enjoy watching players of this talent level every single Sunday. And, like, what this season was going to mean for Cam Akers, his career, the Rams offense and stuff. And now all, all of that's dust in two seconds, man. It's It takes some time to process. And, I mean, you're absolutely right. We've been sitting here about to record this. And I've been like, okay, hold on. Give me a second. Okay, mm-hmm. give me a second. The last like 40 minutes man it's just it's it's tough yeah um but like i said like i hope he's i hope he just kind of keeps his head on straight and i think he'll be back it's just mm-hmm. it's just you know how we don't have a great sample of running backs coming off torn achilles that you know like it's it sucks because it's not like it's you know it's this is an injury that we've seen derail careers. And I really hope that doesn't happen for Cam Akers. Like that's that's the main thing I've that that went to my mind when I saw that it was a torn Achilles. It was okay, I don't you know, it, it the first thing that stood out to me wasn't the fact that he's gonna miss this year and that Daryl Henderson's gonna be good and fit. like it was the fact that his his career has changed in a in a blink of an eye. And that sucks. It's it, it does, man. I mean it's just it's it's the injury coin flip and to see that, and you're right, man. Like, I mean, Achilles, we we have small sample sizes, but also, like, how many different things do you want to dive through it? It's like the running back position and his age. And, I, I mean, look, I hope that he comes back from this and that he's able to debunk the trend and he's able to sit here and come back and, and resume his career and be fantastic. You know, I mean... It, all, all, all of the thoughts as far as like with his rehab and, and getting back to a hundred percent are definitely with him. I mean, you just hope that like he pulls like some kind of like younger Manny Sanders and he resumes his career and, and really people are like, wait a minute, that was a thing. Like he, he, mm-hmm. he tore his Achilles. Like, oh wow. You can't even tell that, you know, that's, I mean, that's really what we're hoping for here. Yeah. So obviously like, 
it, we try to not think about it, but injuries were bound to happen. And it's just, it's just, it doesn't matter. The, it doesn't matter the fact that we know they're going to happen. They still hurt the same and they still are upsetting the same. So absolutely, um, man. I mean, let's start this off, dude, um, yeah. with the Rams, um, and, and with this acres news, like, what what do you think and like what are we monitoring in training camp? For me, I I, I know that Henderson's gonna have the early down role. I, I I worry one, do the Rams bring in somebody? And because it, he's not excelled in pass protection, hit receiving has not been part of like his acumen. Um, I think that Xavier Jones is somebody that we need to sit there and monitor. And the, and apparently the, the Rams like out. him and Jordan Rodrigue. I liked him a lot coming out. Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the team really well she tweeted like about 20 minutes ago that like if the rams don't sign a veteran like you know Le'Veon bell god forbid they bring back todd Gurley, Lashawn mccoy duke john if they don't bring in one of those running backs it tells you that they're actually really confident in xavier jones so i looked on like he's been the, the most added player on sleeper like without question so like there's obviously some buzz on him but yeah i mean he's He's moving up. He's probably the number two running back in the depth chart now um, until if they bring somebody in. I mean, look, I think that they split this role um, and and how much Xavier Jones or another back takes over that 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 secondary role or the third down role is. I mean, we're going to see it, man. But I don't think that Henderson's just going to run away with this like this full time role that Akers was possibly going to walk into this year, considering what we saw in the playoffs from Akers. Are there doing? I mean, I was going to ask, like I mentioned the guys that are available free agents, right? Like Le'Veon Bell, the veterans, Todd Gurley, LaShawn, like those guys. Is there anybody that could be available via trade? I mean, that's that again, it's it's really interesting. I don't know. Like, I don't know if the Rams are going to to, if they have the equity that they're going to go trade for a guy or if there's even a guy that like. They feel like could either. I mean, like, clearly I mean, the Rams don't value draft picks. Training camps. Like, the Rams I mean, clearly don't value draft picks, so maybe they'll throw some draft picks or whatever. To, but a running maybe. back is different, obviously. Um, something to keep an eye on. But yeah, like with Stafford there now, like and and how excited McVay's been about Stafford in the passing game. This might just boost their passing volume. And you've already been super high in Stafford and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods is great. Like maybe they just become more of a pass. Not they're not going to be like you know crazy pass rate team they're still going to run the football but this probably boosts their passing rate up a little bit i i I don't disagree i think that it could boost their passing rate up and and does this increase their reliance on uh, on the passing game and these pass catchers i definitely think that it's i mean it's something that could definitely happen like does that bump their pass rate up a few points um, and neutral game scripts and things of that nature, um, as well as, I mean, does this change some of the design for the offense? Like some of those screens that they were going to run maybe to Acres, um, if, if any design screens or short area yeah. targets. I mean, we'll does probably continue to see go those to Robert else? Woods carries. Yeah. Which um, I as don't well think- as do they design like some some jet sweeps and motions and mm-hmm. stuff like that for either whether, whether it's Tutu Atwell. Right. Um, more short area targets. I know we've talked about him and we're not massive fans, but maybe some more short area targets for, for Tyler Higby. I think that it's, we really can't shove any of that off the table right now. And this no. does move the needle as far as what their offensive design looks like for 2021. So in terms of redraft, because everybody's doing like best ball drafts now with the news and Daryl Henderson's obviously climbing in your you know traditional redraft league. I think Daryl Henderson probably vaults to like a fifth, maybe sixth round pick Uh, in the games that he saw at least 12 touches last season. He averaged just over 14 PPR points per game. So pretty solid Um, should dominate the goal line work in an offense. that's going to be good. And I wrote about it in my ADP decision series when I wrote uh, debated Cam Akers and Joe Mixon. And the reason I one of the reasons I loved Cam Akers was the fact that the change between Goff and Stafford will open up the offense because Goff had no downfield passing. And as a result, the Rams, I believe, saw the third most uh, plays run with seven or more defenders in the box. That's going to change this year. That was one of the reasons I loved Akers. That's obviously going to benefit Daryl Henderson, assuming he's the lead back now. Um, So, like, probably going to see him fifth, sixth round. 
I, I, I think that Henderson is going to get up there. Um, I, I won't be surprised if he gets up into the fourth, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we're adjusting ranks over at FTN Fantasy right now and looking at kind of where you slide him in rapid reaction. I think that he's going to fall into being a top 20 back where you want to slide him in that 15 to 20 range and, and where that puts him in drafts. I think that there, there's a lot of Daryl Henderson, um, believers out there. And I think that, it, you know, as high as we all were on, for acres entering this season, I think that Henderson's going to pick up a lot of that steam. Um, so I, I think that he's probably somewhere in that fifth round conversation, but honestly, I think that before it's all said and done before week one, I think he makes it into the end of the fourth round, and I won't be surprised if people puff him all the way up to the third round. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, third round is like way too rich for me because mm-hmm. I know they had Malcolm Brown last year, but like there's still some concerns with Daryl Henderson as a pass catcher. I still do believe they'll bring somebody in, whether that's you know Adrian Peterson or somebody. Um, so if he's in the third, like even the fourth round, like I'll I'll be interested in the fifth, but fourth or third I think is too high because like I'm still not going to take him over like David Montgomery and he's in he's probably in that Miles Gaskin Mike Davis range um Mm -hmm. but yeah third round would be crazy I I would like we saw that jump from remember a couple years ago when Spencer Ware got hurt in the preseason and Kareem Hunt vaulted that's a little different because he was in the Chiefs offense Andy Reid and and, you know and Kareem Hunt was obviously you know a better player than Daryl Henderson but I could see like not quite that high of a draft pick but i could see like the overall you know going from a ninth to tenth round pick to like he's gonna jump by like five rounds say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill yeah, I, I don't disagree at all, man. I think that it, his his draft stock is going to skyrocket. Um, and, and again, like we've talked about, I think that this just makes me monitor the passing game options for the Rams even more, especially through training camp and what they're going to do um, and how this offense is going to look. Um, but shifting over, staying in the NFC West, uh, looking at the Seahawks, man, what are you monitoring for training camp for them? Yeah, really, it's it's this offensive philosophy, and if it changes, going from um, Schottenheimer to new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Uh, there's been some buzz about the Seahawks passing more this year. Then there's been the Pete Carroll, we still want to run the football, you know, reports. But I, we've talked about this a little bit more lately. Like, if they end up with Shane Waldron throwing the football more, Russell Wilson can be in that top five tier of quarterbacks because he's got you know, one of the best duos in the NFL and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They upgraded that tight end with Gerald Everett, who we both love. And that's another thing I'm kind of keeping, keeping an eye on during training camp and, and stuff like that. And we're talking about one of the most efficient quarterbacks in NFL history. So like give him 40 pass attempts more often. And he, he's going to be up there with like, if you told me right now, Wilson was going to throw around 40 times a game. Like it's like, who he's ranked closely with, like Justin Herbert. Like, I don't think it's close. I would rather have Wilson. So if Shane Waldron wants to throw the ball more and Russell Wilson obviously does, I mean, that could be, you could, we could be talking about Russell Wilson, like a seventh round quarterback selection and he could be top three easily. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, for me, I, I, I'm with you. I think that we need to be watching as far as like what all of those sea changes bring about. Like in some of the early rumblings, I mean, we've talked about this before. People go back and listen to previous episodes when we were discussing like ADP decisions. Like, I've come around more on Russell Wilson because of some of the things coming out of camp. And we've seen, like, ridiculous efficiency out of Russell Wilson for long enough that even if it slides enough, like that pendulum goes back the way the other way enough, he doesn't have to be on top 10 passing rate team, even if they're in the mid-teens, like 12 to 15. Mm-hmm. Like... Russell Wilson can do massive things with even that amount of bump. So I think watching like the training camp uh, reports and what, how this offense and 
Are they going to run more up-tempo? No huddle. What that looks like is going to be one of the things that I'm really, really watching for Seattle. Um, because you get a lot of Carol talk out there in the ether. It's like, okay, who's who's his uh, flavor of the week this week? So, yeah. <laughs> but moving over to Arizona, man. I mean, I we, we've talked about it. I'm going to let you kick this off. This backfield competition. What are you? What do you need to hear, or, or what has got to come out for the needle to move on Chase Edmonds? Or, I mean, really, does it change anything for you? Like, what are you monitoring out of camp for these running backs that would move the needle for you at all? Yeah, like for me, like there's this backfield is so interesting, right? Because there was a report that said the Chase Edmonds is the guy. Like, it's not really, a, it's not really a running back competition right now, but like. I don't like we just haven't seen Chase Edmonds be the guy in an offense at all. It's been like two games. He was great in one of them. It was a couple years ago against the Giants, and it was last year he wasn't good. Um, like, I don't think because the look, the Cardinals are going to run no huddle pretty much more than any team in the league. So, like, just because one of these running backs is, quote unquote, starting, there's going to be situations where they're stuck on the bench on the sidelines because they're going no huddle and they don't have time to make subs. We haven't even talked about that as much when we talk about this backfield. Like if Chase Evans is a two minute is a two minute running back, which you would think he would be, that's good. But there's also going to be times where they're just running no huddle in the first quarter with, you know, six minutes. You know, what I mean, like they're going to be a no huddle offense in all facets. So, like, there's going to be times where James Connors on the field and they happen to be going no huddle and vice versa. So. For me, it's continuing to see them go no huddle. Uh, obviously, first team reps are going to be important, and we're going to kind of run with that. But I don't know. Like, I struggle with this. Like, what what do you have to see to, to feel confident in either of these guys as the guy? Because for me, I'm just going to keep – if I'm drafting anybody from this backfield, it's just going to be whoever's going the latest, and I think it's going to continue to be James Conner unless something changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any camp news that's going to come out that's going to massive. I mean, I mean throw, to put it this way, it might massively sway his ADP if we keep getting all of these like, oh, it's it's Edmonds. It's Edmonds season all day, baby. It might massively sway his ADP, but I think that's a lot of the same concerns are still present um, regarding, we have not seen him garner an inside the five role. His role in the passing game, Rondo Moore could still be coming for that. You know, so it depends on what where his ADP goes. But like, I mean, really, I, I would for me for the needle to move for me, I need to hear some reports out of camp, or at least we're seeing in preseason. If Chase Edmonds does get some run, is he the guy at the goal line getting the carries? Like, I, and I know this is small sample size, but like. And that and that's that goes into really the, no the part or piece that I need to hear. Like, what yeah. does the goal line look like? And I think a lot of that goes into no huddle too, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe not so much in training camp and practices, but there's going to be situations where, again, they're going no huddle. Chase Edmonds gets a goal line carry and converts it. Like, he's not just because Connor is viewed as the goal line back over him. Like, Chase Edmonds is going to get goal line carries by default because of that as well. Um, but yeah, I think you could honestly list what from both division or from both conferences 10 storylines we're we're keeping an eye out on for fantasy and i think the cardinals backfield is in that top 10 yeah i i, I don't disagree man because the the thing about it is we know that arizona and everybody can make their jokes about the horizontal raid and blah blah blah, blah. we know that arizona is going to run a ton of plays they're going to be at a high pace and also because of i mean yes they they upgraded like the run defense the pass rush their secondary has got awful yeah it's so they're bad. going I, to I, I'm put gonna, up dude, points we're gonna be talking about receivers and dfs against the cardinals a lot this year yeah i mean i i don't disagree man like i think that that is the reason why and, I, and i've discussed this some in our discord and people are like okay what about chase edmonds and i'm like uh for whatever love that you have for chase edmonds you should love kyler even more like, that mm-hmm. should intensify your love for Kyler Murray when you start thinking in your head, okay, maybe some Chase Edmonds. The thought you really need to kind of gravitate and launch into your brain hole is, hmm, what about some more Kyler Murray? And should I be drafting him more aggressively? Yeah, that's why, like, that's why, like, I have to be careful citing Kenyon Drake's numbers last year because a lot of those touchdowns came 
during Kyler Murray's shoulder injury where he stopped running, especially inside the goal inside the five. And there, I know Kyler came out recently and said he's not going to run as much. I just, I just, yeah, I'll, I, I want to see that first. I, I like, yeah, when the games, when the game's like in action and stuff like that, like he, I feel like he's still going to run. So he's still um, going to run. We will see. He's still going to run. And, and, and moving over from one Russian quarterback to another, I mean, the 49ers, man, I, I, I know that we're both kind of watching like, the pre-camp reports and and how is Trey Lance doing? I'm not ruling it out that Trey Lance could be starting Week One. Mm-hmm. I know that Jimmy Garoppolo has has done some good things in spurts for there. You can't rule it out, No, you can't. Like if Lance comes out and he is balling out in camp, he looks good in the preseason. You don't spend up in the equity. Exactly. And you've seen it take off the table. Like teams are going to get rookies. In the huddle, they're going to get them on the field because they're trying to capitalize, one, they paid up for them, two, these rookie contracts. So Trey Lance is showing that, like, okay, in an offense where it's going to be run heavy, they can kind of ease him in, and Shanahan can scheme up easy completions for him, and they can kind of baby him into the NFL and make that transition easier than some of these other, like, coaching staff situations that are just like, okay, rookie, Good luck. We're throwing you into the deep end. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance can have an easier situation to walk into. So I'm really monitoring the Trey Lance news out of camp, what all that kind of sounds like, and the week one status. Um, and you could throw Jimmy G in there. Like, does he look like, like, is he rattled? Is he not playing good? Is he, you know, how, how all that kind of shakes out? But also this backfield, man. Like, Raheem Mostert's already been dealing with some injuries in the offseason. Are those persisting into camp? How is Trey Sermon? Because look, there's videos out there. Trey Sermon looks looks really healthy. He looks like he's doing good. Like he 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 looks like he's training right now for this NFL season. And his and we talked to this, about this in the offseason. People go back and listen to our prospect profile on Trey Sermon. I said it then, and I'll say it now. If he landed with a team that was going to massively and heavily incorporate zone concepts. Wheels up, baby. And you're already hearing some of that come out of camp about like, this looks like it's an easy transition. Oh, Trey Sermon looks like he's ahead of the curve. That's because he's seen a lot of this before. And the system's made for him. So really, this backfield and the quarterback situation is really what I'm keeping my finger on the pulse for. But what what are you looking for here, Adam? Yeah, I mean, like the... Having preseason this year is massive for this team, especially, right? Trey Lance, like you trade everything to go up and get him. If he's wowing in the preseason, I don't I don't know how they don't give him a shot to start week one. And I think that's going to be their mindset throughout the entire uh, preseason. And like with Trey Sermon, like this team is going to be not quite Baltimore level, but in terms of yards before contact, they're going to be very good because their offensive line is great in terms of run blocking. Trent Williams, just unbelievable. Um, and like Raheem Mostert last year was, I think, third in the NFL or first among running backs in yards before contact per attempt at just over three. And like if Trey Lance is at quarterback, it's going to be even better for yards before contact with his mobility. So that's something I'm keeping an eye on. But yeah, Trey Sermon, especially too. it's just it's just the rookies, right? Trey Lance and Trey Sermon, because Jeff Wilson is missing, you know, a lot of time. Maybe maybe misses the whole year. Who knows? But he's definitely missing a lot of time, which means all of a sudden. It's Mostert, who's already banged up and has missed a lot of time the last couple of years, and Sermon. And Mostert goes down. Sure, Wayne Gallman will probably get a couple carries, but Trey Sermon will be the starting running back for one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. And he would probably be... I mean, Mostert's been... And I know Sermon doesn't have the burst that Raheem Mostert has, but like in terms of prospect profile, like he's, he's a better prospect than Mostert. Mostert wasn't even drafted, so it's like... Why can't Sermon be a top 15 running back if he's getting 15 touches a game? That's the other thing in this offense. You don't need 20 touches a game in this offense to be good. You really don't. And, I mean, with the efficiency, one, I think this offensive line is going to run block better this year. They're going to be really Two, good. Yeah, they're going to be really good, really efficient rushing attack. Um, however you want to dice this up, quarterback mobility, the offensive line, um, as well as, I mean, and I know, I know we don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this before we move on to the next team but their schedule is stupidly easy Adam like especially down the stretch and I know we don't you know dive into too much of that at this point but like oh my lord like we can also like kind of like glance out and like 
get a high level look at some of these rush defenses that haven't changed much in the offseason and you're like oh oh wow that's bad so hopping out of the nfc west uh going to the east uh with the eagles man i mean what are you listening for out of training camp that's going to push the needle for you or at least like that you're monitoring here yeah, we got we to gotta see what Jalen Hurts looks like in this new offense. And that's the other thing I didn't even write down, but entirely new offense was Nick Sirianni. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about, and you've written a lot about it, the way they used Jalen Hurts last year. Like, he led the NFL in average depth of target, and he didn't have a lot of talent at receiver. Like, I want to see them using better, or, or, you know, drawing better plays to get him easier completions, to, you know, to Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard instead of having him with these five, six step dropbacks and just chucking it deep. Um, so that's what I'm looking for. And I'll, I'll also add the offensive line. Just if we can get some continuity from this offensive line this year, that'd be great. They had the most starting combinations of offensive lines in the NFL last year. They're going to get Brandon Brooks back this off this season. They're going to get um, Andre Dillard back this off season. Uh, Kelsey slash Kels is, is, is Jason Kelsey or Kels? Like, did he, did he announce that? Um, they're brothers. So I'm assuming he's I'm Kels telling as well. you, I think that's, troll job man that's <laughs> that's my theory I, I still think it's kelsey i'm willing but, to sit here and say it yeah it, it's it's gonna take forever for me to switch calling them kelsey and kelsey but um i want to see that offensive line just kind of because when healthy on paper they can get back to being a really good unit they just they're not exactly young so it's like you don't predict you don't project you don't predict injuries but like i want to see them you know together because they can be very good and that would be massive for this entire offense yeah I mean I I've talked about Jalen Hurts all offseason and I think that he is going to show some people that he is a better thrower of the football than they're giving him any kind of credit for right now so I, I definitely agree with you um one of the biggest things that I'll be listening for out of camp moving over to New York uh Saquon has been adamant and saying all the right things for the coaching staff right now every time somebody asks him all right, when are you going to be back? What's it going to look like? He's like, well, we're still monitoring. Uh, but that's the biggest thing here. I think that between Saquon and what it looks like for him in training camp and in walking into the season, and as well as Adam, I mean, we've talked about this offensive line. What do you need to hear out of training camp that's going to make you feel better about Saquon and this offensive line? Uh, can they block? <laughs> More so for Daniel Jones. Like, they weren't, like, yeah. dreadful run blocking last year. Obviously, pass protection, they were the worst in the NFL. They were terrible. Um, is Andrew Thomas taking a step forward in his second season? You know, stuff like that. Uh, but Saquon's the obvious one. There, I mean, Saquon very well might not be ready week one. There is a chance that he's not there week one. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like, he's he looks great, and I think he's... I would guess he will be ready, but we got to keep an eye on him during training camp and how much he's actually doing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Yeah, I, I think that it's we can't rule anything out right now regarding his timetable. Could he start out week one and get 15, 20 touches? Possibly. Could he also be limited? Possibly. I really think it's one of the biggest things. And yes, I mean, it sounds like low-hanging fruit, but it's true. I mean, we can't rule anything out because it's not a tiny injury. It's not an MCL. It's nothing like that. Like, he didn't come off of sprains and what have you. I mean, it was significant damage to that knee. And we have to sit here and keep our finger on the pulse here. But moving over to the Washington footballs, uh, what are you listening for in camp? What's going to push pass catchers up? Antonio Gibson. Like, I, I mean, really, like, what are you listening for with this team? 
just making sure Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy, and I want to see how they're going to use Curtis Samuel in this in Scott Turner's offense. Wait, 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 wait! Do you think Taylor Heineke has a chance to even like push the needle and start? There was a report that said he looks better than Fitzpatrick right now. I, I don't. I'm not changing my. I'm. I don't believe he's starting week one. But okay. I mean, he's given them no reason to not give him a shot. Right, the playoff game against Tampa Bay, he was really good. He that was the best game a quarterback played for Washington. Probably since like Case Keenum and like week one of two years ago. Um, so I still expect it to be Fitzpatrick, but you know, just keep an eye on it. I don't think it's set in stone right now that Fitzpatrick's going to start. I think we all expect him to. And then, like I said, I want to see how Curtis Samuel's used in this offense. Um, I'm sure he'll be used in a variety of ways in the backfield, in the slot, out wide. Um, we know Terry McLaurin's going to get his and, and be the alpha in this offense. We saw what Logan Thomas could do last year. Um, and you can even add if Antonio Gibson's, you know, passing game work is going to improve like they said it would. So, uh, those are a couple of things I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, and I think the, the Fitzpatrick news, especially for dynasty purposes, does that lead you to pick up Taylor Heineke off the waiver wire and super flex leagues? I yeah. Think I mean, if you have a roster shot? spot, it's not yeah. the like you talked about it, him being like a prime Scott Fishbowl target. Like mm-hmm. with Fitzpatrick, yeah, we, when he's good, he's 400 yards, three touchdowns. When he's bad, it's 250 yards, three picks, and a touchdown. And if Washington loses two games in a row in a tight NFC East and Fitzpatrick has seven interceptions in two games, yeah, you can bet Taylor Heineke's probably going to get a chance to start. I. I think that it's we can't rule it out because we talked about this back when we talked about Scott Fishbowl and our drafts and how we're approaching. If if, if Heineke and and I mean look they they resign the guy pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that if Fitzpatrick goes out there and we've talked about I think that he's an upgrade for this passing offense. But we also can't rule out the fact that if he goes out there and he throws has a three pick game because it, it can happen. That we don't see Heineke making some starts this year, considering this offense is pretty well built up around him. The defense looks good, and the team says, okay, I still think that Washington goes into the draft next year and they address the position. I think that this is a smart organization doing smart things and building up the entire team around it. So when they draft a rookie quarterback next year... He walks in the door and he says, okay, well, everything's locked, set, forget. Now we get to sit here and enjoy the rookie contract and wheels up, baby. So I, I won't be surprised if the leash is really short for Fitzpatrick, considering if he stumbles out of the gate. So Heineke, I think we're watching here. You talked about Curtis Samuel. I think that his usage is, is worth monitoring, as well as I, I just want to hear beautiful reports about how Terry McLaurin is the damn guy. We will. Don't you? We will. <laughs> There's going to be I'm a waiting bunch. for the training camp videos of him yeah, dusting somebody. I was literally going to say there's going to be there's going to be plenty of videos of him. Oh, looking. Can like you imagine what's going to happen if there's a video that comes out of him like just leaving William Jackson in the dust? Like William Jackson gets juked into the to the multiverse. Like <laughs> that that can happen, man. If it happens, F one to the moon, baby. Uh, moving over to Dallas, what are you listening for in training camp? Yeah, I don't think this is going to shock anybody. Just how does Dak Prescott look? Apparently, and he's looked great so far. He's going to be ready week one. And the rest of this offense, we know. I mean, Zeke is getting getting the football. Zeke's going to be better. The receivers are great. I'll also add um, the tight ends. I mean, Blake Jarwin had a lot of promise and a lot of hype this time last year. Obviously, unfortunately, suffered that torn ACL early in the season. But, like, he's not going to step into a role where he's getting his job back without question because Dalton Schultz was good for them last year. So I think they're going to be, like, multiple tight ends, and that's going to kind of – it's going to help Dak just because he gets two really solid tight ends to add to his three great receivers. But, um, you know, I want to see if, like, one of those tight ends has the edge over the other in terms of starting. Yeah, I mean, I think that Schultz – I mean – Come on, man. Like Schultz did enough last year. Do you think that very there's solid. even do you think there's even a chance that he just runs away with the job? Or do you think like at best do they just split it? Like how could you see the tight end position working? I don't out? know if he just runs away with the job, but I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be shocked at all if he starts the season as a starter and plays, you know, maybe it's like a early season in terms of snaps, like Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet type situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like where Cole Komet in the second half was dominating snaps and routes. I think 
like that could be, um, you know, either way you look at it, whether it's Jimmy Graham in the first half or Komet in the second half, I think Dalton Schultz could be that type of um, role for this offense where they kind of ease Blake Jarwin in coming off the torn ACL. Yeah, I, I don't think we can rule that out. And I think Schultz put enough like good good plays Absolutely. on film and showed that he was dependable enough that he could be the guy. Like, and I they mean, don't he was need... the guy last year. And he could be the guy again this year if Jarwin, if they want to limit him or kind of like slowly yeah. ease him in. And like Blake Jarwin's got a better athletic profile than Dalton Schultz, but they don't need like they don't need a crazy athlete to make a bunch of crazy plays at tight end when they have Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb and Zeke and Tony Pollard. You know what I mean? Like they just need, mm-hmm. like you said, kind of Dalton Schultz gave them, you know, that security and he was very solid. And that that goes a long way with this offense when you have the other pieces that they have. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Moving over to Tampa, what are you keeping uh, at least your ear out? Like, I, I mean, is there anything is, that's going <laughs> This team, like, I wrote we're in the show sheet. We're in Howard News, baby. I mean, we're, are we back on that Dude, train? Like, I wrote in the, in the notes, like, Giovanni Bernard question mark, because, like, what is there to talk about? Like, uh, the backfield in general, I guess, is the is the the only thing we can talk about Leonard Fournette had the playoff run probably enters the season as a starter but there's going to be games where Ronald Jones has 15 carries and Fournette has seven and vice versa and I will say Giovanni Bernard is interesting because as good as Fournette was down the stretch and as explosive as Ronald Jones was in in, uh, uh, throughout much of the season they were both very 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 bad in the passing game and Giovanni Bernard not only as a fluid pass catcher but he's a good pass protector too and we know we know that goes a long way with tom brady so um if you know if how he looks and if ronald jones and fournette are struggling in the passing game still i mean it's this backfield's gonna be such a freaking mess man i i just oh lord help me it's gonna be such a mess like there's gonna be geo weeks there's gonna be lenny weeks there's gonna be rojo weeks and wolf I, I can't even prepare myself for, for the Keyshawn Vaughn showdown weeks. Uh, they're coming. It's probably going to happen. But I, I th- this camp, like, I, I, are we at the point, like, where you, can you really, like, take a whole lot away from anything that Bruce Arians says, Adam? I mean, at this point, I mean, like, listening to him over the it's, years. And yeah, years it's and tough. Years. It's tough. And I love Bruce Arians, but, like, how many times did we hear him <laughs> last year say, like, Ronald Jones is the guy and then uh-huh. Fournette got the word, you know, it's, it's rough, it, dude. I mean, yeah, I'm I, telling you, it's I, him. I, it's him. It's Pete Carroll. Like, it's just, you got to be careful. listening to what they say, especially Pete. Carroll, it's one of those the spots most that also ever. we haven't discussed this yet in, in almost we're halfway into this and we didn't discuss it in the AFC. There's also a lot of noise that pop pops out through camp mm-hmm. that like you just automatically hear it and you're like, nah, no, 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 no. And whether that's the megaphone that's turned up to 11, uh, the source, you know, take some of this with a grain of salt. That's why Adam and I are diving through all of these teams, trying to at least give you a, somewhat of a compass with all of these different little tiny news items that are just going to flood our timelines in the weeks to come. Staying in the South, Taysom and Jameis. This That's is where also, I'm listening. This is also in that top 10 I, I referenced earlier. Yeah. And I would argue this is probably top five. This is massive. Who who are you hearing um reports are about right now that could be the starter, Adam? Who? who? Who is that guy? Who who do you hear right now? I mean, it's it's weird. I I've never heard his name or heard him discussed as I'll, possibly I'll, being the starter this year. But who who are you hearing through the rumor mill as being the Saints starter? Go ahead, man. Talk about Taysom. You've been on this for a while, and like, <laughs> and I've been out there talking about it. Like nobody wants to hear it. Everybody nobody tosses numbers back at you and says, "Oh, Taysom Hill can never be a quarterback because of." said stat it's always he's a linebacker he's a tight end <laughs> bad joke like insert whatever bad joke you got for Taysom Hill because that's all I ever hear about it and I'm like if Sean Payton doesn't want to change the design of this offense as much as you might hate it 
for whatever reason, which I don't understand what Taysom Hill has done to to wrong people, to put them all defensive in their feels about how they cannot stand him when he feeds a 30% target share to Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara is still what like a massive first read in this offense. This defense is going to be worse. They're going to throw the ball, and both of these players are going to be the fulcrums for how this offense functions. And it could be top 10 in scoring as well this year. But why do people hate Taysom Hill? Couldn't tell you. Don't know. Been there, still there. Could be the starter walking into week one. And still, nobody wants to hear it, Adam. Your thoughts? I, so for me, for Alvin Kamara, I would rather have Jameis at quarterback just because we know Taysom's getting go on carries. We saw it last year. We'll see it this year. And we'll see it if he's not starting at times anyway. But for Michael Thomas, like, I don't think it's, I, I think it's pretty close. Like, I'm still, I don't think I'm moving Michael Thomas either way. Like, if Jameis is starting, Michael Thomas is still going to be good. But, like, I think there's a lot of people that think if Taysom starts, like, Thomas is doomed. And it's like, like you said, 30% target share with Taysom Hill last year. And I wrote about it in my ADP series. The first one I did was Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen. Taysom Hill was top 10 according to our premium stats, our advanced passing stats, in percentage of passes to the first read. We talked about that every single week in DFS. His first read was always Michael Thomas, and and if Michael Thomas wasn't there, he would either run or check it down to Kamara. Mm-hmm. Who else in this offense is going to be the first read? I mean, Michael Thomas has a legitimate chance to lead the NFL in targets, regardless of who's quarterback for the Saints. Um I, I, like, yeah, I'm I'm really, really interested to see. And again, like it might not even be like the concrete answer, because if Jameis is listed as a starting quarterback, you know, Taysom's going to have snaps at quarterback this year. That, that's happening. Yep. I mean, I, I I think that he could be the week one starter. And I've heard even people dice up like, OK, what's the early season schedule look like? And oh, does Taysom hold the job? And it's like, can we also flip the narrative? Like. If you're talking about Jameis as the starter, and he's definitely going to be the starter, and what does the early season schedule look like, and does he just flub up his opportunity, and then we see Taysom just run away with the job for the rest of the season, um, that narrative uh, it gets thrown around a lot. And it's like, depending on which side of the fence people seem ingrained on, it, it, it kind of changes. And for me, I'm like, we can see either one of these quarterbacks. Yes, I think that Taysom is is where I'm pushing my money to being the starter in week one. And I think this offense is going to be fine if he is the starter week one. The only thing Jameis. he struggled with last I year. I drafted both in best ball, man. Like, that's the thing. It's like, people are like, oh, well, you're totally anti-Jameis. No, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. I want exposure to both of these guys. Yeah, I absolutely. think that we Jame- can't like Jameis- either. They're, they both have back-end quarterback one upside. Um, Taysom a little bit higher because of the, ru- the rushing. But, like, the only thing Taysom struggled with at quarterback last year was the deep ball. And it's like, that's not part of their offense if he's quarterback, so I don't care. Like, I, I really don't care. So, and then Jameis, if he's quarterback, he'll give you that, which is where his upside comes from. And, and if, you know, being able to have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in your offense um so yeah they're both so intriguing in best balls and everything late because you can get them with like um your second or or last pick and like michael thomas is it's because michael thomas is a top you know three round pick but it's like it's hard to stack him with you know a high-end quarterback but you don't have to because these guys go so late and whoever's that quarterback is throwing the ball to michael thomas you know eight to twelve times a game and people are like, well, why did you draft both? And I'm like, okay, well, I, and okay, am I hedging? The other thing that I've thrown out is like option C here is what if both of them get starts and the quarterback production between the two of them is top five this year? We see a Tampa situation. And no, I'm not picking low-hanging fruit with Jameis, but it's it's a possibility here, Adam. And they're both free, 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 like going outside the top 175 on underdog right now. So... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm picking Taysom, who has top five upside. And if you want to sit here and talk about with Jameis, and I'm picking two quarterbacks, which three quarterback builds are viable. Mm-hmm. And that versus the 18th round running back or wide receiver that can never see the field and do nothing for you. Is that really a worse pick than uh, going with one of those positional players? I mean, you tell me, Adam. Is that terrible? No. I, I, exactly. I'm really, really high on drafting both. Um, 
And like, yep. Jameis is going to be good for fantasy. We know that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I, this is probably a top five situation for fantasy right now. Who's who's the quarterback for the Saints? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Love it, man. I, I love talking about the situation because I think that the, the team, a lot of the value that's been created around this team is people's preconceived notions, their narratives and the uncertainty of the quarterback situation and what people are willing to sit here and dice up or fade based off of that. Dude, we talked, uh, Taysom Hill was legitimately very solid in the intermediate passing game. And that's what this offense is going to be. Yep. It is. It is. <laughs> and there's still value to be had. Uh, moving over to Atlanta. Uh, I mean, is this just like all Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, all Kyle Pitts? I mean, we know what Calvin Ridley is going to do in this offense, provided like, yes, okay, monitoring a little bit of, his his health throughout camp and, and coming off of uh, surgery injury like the offseason stuff, but like I mean, is it really just are we watching to see what Kyle Pitts is doing in camp um, at this point, Adam? I just want to see how he's transitioning because, like, if it's tough because like in preseason he's not going to be going against starters very often, but like if it if it looks easy to him like it did in college, like it's going to be tough to not remain super excited about Kyle Pitts. Um, and then the running backs. I mean, is Mike Davis clearly the guy? And I, I would imagine he will be, but it's more so, um, especially in preseason, like watching these backup running backs that could make noise, you know, at some point of the season, Quadri Allison and these guys, like how do they look and who's who's winning the number two job? I think that's something to keep an eye on as well, especially in best balls. Those guys, you know, Quadri Allison, um, these guys go very late and they have upside if anything happens to Mike Davis. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you've heard me talking about Quadri Allison all offseason. I think that, that because here's the thing, could Mike Davis be a massive value? Yes, could be. It, it, the other thing, we haven't seen Mike Davis for an entire NFL season. He slowed down towards the end of last year. We haven't seen Mike Davis hold up to 250, 300 touches, wherever you want to put that touch mark at in the NFL. And considering that is the case, and this is a really, really thin depth chart, I am monitoring this RB2 position. Like, who is the backup to Davis? Because as we stand right now, Olsen's gotten some good reports out of camp. I'm going to be monitoring that all the way through because he's got the size. He's got the size-adjusted speed. He ran zone in college. Yes, it was a good mix of, like, half-gap, half-zone. And what this offense looks like for this year, if Davis can't stay healthy... There's going to be a running back that emerges out of this backfield that could be a league winner for people, considering that after Mike Davis, all of these other guys are getting undrafted. They're going for free, and all the Javian Hawkins love has gone away. Nobody, thank, thank God, nobody's talking about Caleb Huntley anymore because they shouldn't be. Um, but this is definitely something to watch along with all the Kyle Pitts news because, yes, could Kyle Pitts. I, I'm still not a big proponent of go- drafting him where he's going in the 40s right now in best ball drafts. But could he be a guy that is, is it in the range of outcomes that he comes out and he explodes? Sure. So watching all those reports out of camp, his usage and how he's progressing through camp is definitely something we have to monitor. Uh, heading to Carolina, I, I mean, really, it's it's Sam Darnold, man. Like, how is he looking in camp? Is he looking better? Are we hearing better reports than what we heard about Teddy B last year? And for me, also, with the Darnold news, these tertiary pass catchers, Adam, like, I, I wrote this up yesterday about Carolina. Like, Terrace Marshall has massive upside in this offense for an offense that supported three top 36 wide receivers. And they were god-awful in the red zone last year. So if the touchdowns go up, targets are there. And if we want to talk, throw in Dan Arnold, how his camp reports are. These tertiary pass catchers behind what we know in CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Is there going to be another person that emerges in this offense? If it's improved, that's going to have, have really sneaky fantasy value for you. But I mean, are, are, are you with me on... The pass catchers, and what are your thoughts on Marshall and Arnold walking into this and any other like headlines that you're watching here? Yeah, it's the passing game for me. Um, okay. We expect McCaffrey to be great again when he's on the field, and he will be back this year. Uh, and yeah, Terrace Marshall, like we talked about it in terms of touchdown scores, but like 
outside of McCaffrey, this team doesn't have like a clear red zone guy. Um, DJ Moore saw a high percentage of their end zone targets, but he didn't see a ton in general. Like Terrace Marshall, I wouldn't be shocked if he led this team in touchdown receptions. So, and yeah, I've been drafting Dan Arter late in best balls because like they just didn't get anything out of their tight end position last year. And Dan Arnold actually can make plays down the field. So he's kind of interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I stand with this offense. I think this offense could surprise people. And I know now I'm not a massive Sam, Sam Darnold stand, but I think this offense could surprise people because the passing attempts were not high last year. 22nd in the NFL. Teddy B was not good in the red zone. And yes, you want to tell walk away. Okay. We didn't practice this in camp and, Whatever, however you want to dive through that, I still believe in Joe Brady, and I think that these these options that are positioned around Darnold can elevate his game. Now, whether that's Sam Darnold playing better or playing better as a result of really good players around him, either way, it's good. It's all good. Uh, so heading to the NFC North for the Packers. What are you listening for here? And and besides, I know the Aaron Rodgers news and stuff like that. Let's move past that. Well, I just want to add that there was a report today from Schefter that uh, Rodgers apparently apparently turned down a two-year contract extension that would have made him the highest play, uh, paid player in football. So clearly this is more to do with the, the, the Packers than it is about money. It is so. not about the money. Yeah. It ain't about the money. He's just not like, show that. me the money. He's like, I made the money. Show me respect is what he's saying. I mean, or am I wrong on that? No, I mean, it's it's clearly about the direction of the team and yep. and everything. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, we can't just like obviously we need this. We want to see if Rogers is, is showing up at all. But uh, A.J. Dillon, like mm-hmm. this regime or any regime since he's been a Packer has not wanted to give Aaron Jones massive, massive volume. So A.J. Dillon, who in the one game they really uh, leaned on him last year, he was great. He's going to have that Jamal Williams 10 to 12 touches per game usage, especially if the Packers are without Aaron Rodgers somehow this year and they just run the football a lot more, um, even though they, they are a pretty high team in terms of run rate with Rodgers. Um, Dylan's going to have flex value, and um, I, I want to see how he looks in camp and um, the packages they have with him, If he and also if he has any goal line work. Because Aaron Jones has been an incredible touchdown scorer, but it's you know having A.J. Dillon at the goal line would make sense too. Yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Dillon's going to definitively have a role. My, my 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 question with A.J. Dillon is, is does Aaron Jones just, are we hearing reports out of camp, and not just a video of him catching like a screen pass, but what is his pass game involvement going to be this year? Because Kylan Hill was good in the passing game in college. Like, do you see a way at all, and depending on camp reports, could this dissolve into like a three-way committee instead of just a two-way like we've seen previously? Is that possible, I would be shocked Adam? Because if, I would be shocked if it was three-way. So do you think that A.J. Dillon is better in the pass game that we're giving him credit? Or are you leaning on, okay, Aaron Jones is going to just absorb that role even more? Is he soaking that up? Yeah, I think it's a little bit like, like A.J. Dillon was not using the passing game at Boston College, but I, I don't... Like he's not Alvin Kamara, he's not Austin Eckler. We know that, but I I think it's a little bit unknown if he's, you know, if he what exactly how he is in the passing game. He's not going to be again an elite pass catching running back, but I think he could be good enough to where he's not losing snaps to Kylan Hill. I mean that's fair. I mean the other thing about it is, it, can we also still term him as an unknown? I'm not massive on AJ Dillon's pass game upside mm-hmm. based off of. And some of this, yes, it's massively limited sample size. So am I showing maybe some biases here? Possibly. I mean, I'm not going to rule that out. We we try to rule that out as far as we can with all of our analysis. But the unknown and considering what we've seen in a limited sample, I'm not massively high on A.J. Dillon's past game upside. So I, I that's one of the things I'm going to be monitoring here as well as Kylan Hill news. Is it in the range of outcomes for this to be a three-headed monster? I think it's possible. I also think it's possible for Aaron Jones to steal the pass game work and A.J. Dillon's just an early down and red zone grinder, and you're that's kind of what you're hoping out of his role on this offense. But again, I could be just lower on A.J. Dillon versus consensus, and that's something I'm going to have to monitor in my process walking through training camp and saying, okay, is he getting these reps and what is he doing with them? And what are the reports? How do the coaches feel about it? Because 
Some of that, yes, do we take it with a grain of salt? The other thing is we have to be mindful for the drum beat on some of these things as we progress towards week one. Heading over to Minnesota, I mean, is this all things uh, hashtag let Earth swerve? Because that's what it is for me, baby. Like, I, I want to hear the good glistening reports, and I want to hear also what his role's looking like because I think it could be massive in this offense. Is Tyler Conklin still going to play a role? Yes. Is Irv Smith still going to run a crap ton, one metric crap ton of routes? Yes, I think so. So I, for me, it's the Irv Smith news, baby. I, yes, again, biases are real. I'll own it. Anything else you're monitoring here? No. Like, we know Dalvin Cook's great. We know the receivers are great. Uh, if you want to add something that's not as fantasy relevant, the defense should be better um, if you want to kind of keep an eye on that. But yeah, Irv, it, it's Irv. It's Irv. Uh, it's all things Irv. I mean, that's kind of where we're at, Adam. <laughs> Moving over to Chicago, and all I see on the outline here is, duh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, man. It's 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 the goat. It's Justin Fields. I want stop, baby. I want to see him yes. ball out, and I want to see Chicago's quote unquote plan change. And he's listed as a starter week one. That that's what I want to hear, man. I want to hear that Justin Fields is going to be that starter. He's going to be in that chair, and let's go. Like that's where I, I sit with it. Um, that's the really the biggest ticket item for me. And yes, I, I want to hear some Cole Komet news, man. I'm going to throw that in here because I've talked about his upside. I don't think that it's still not baked into his ADP. I think that uh, all we need to hear is that he's going to assume a role in this offense. And basically what we saw down the stretch is going to be real for 2021. So it's feels and it's Komet for me. Uh, close this idea with Detroit. What are you listening for out of camp? And not not nothing kneecaps, nothing like that. Um, let's let's keep all of our our teeth inside of our mouth. Um, what do you what do you want to hear about the Lions? I want to see which receivers can, if any, separate from from you know each other in terms of Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, because there's obvious opportunity uh, opportunity there. I also want to see if DeAndre Swift's in the slot because they've been talking about moving him to the slot more, which could be very fun, honestly, um, for him. And we know he's going to like I think DeAndre Swift, and I wrote about it, has a chance to catch 80 passes this year. Um, so kind of okay. where he's used in the slot, if they're going to have like Jamal Williams and Swift on the field together, which with field uh, with um, Williams in the backfield and Swift in the slot. Yeah, I mean, for me, with Swift, the reports that I want to hear, or at least I need to hear out of camp, we know Hawkinson's going to be a guy, going to be the guy there. I think in the passing game, um, I want to hear it, where is Amon Ra lining up on the field. I want him in the slot, please put him in the slot. I want to hear Amon Ra news, and I want to hear is DeAndre Swift get any goal line reps, man? Like, or is that Jamal Williams? Because. I really, and that's one of the things I've been telling people to push the brakes on, is I'm more worried about DeAndre Swift's red zone role in this offense. I think the pass game role. Jamal Williams, we've talked about it, dude. He ain't no slaps there either. He can catch some passes. Like, Swift, I need to hear, is he going to have some of that role walking into the season? Because if, I mean, look, if Jamal Williams is getting the money touches and everybody's made the comp for, for Swift and Eckler and stuff, okay, that's fine. Eckler wasn't the preferred red zone guy inside the five for Anthony Lynn with the Chargers. Are we so sure that DeAndre Swift is going to be that guy for Detroit? And that's really where I'm like, I, eat, ooh, I don't know about that with his ADP. I need to hear some goal line reps, Adam. I need to see that, like, is it even in the range of outcomes that Swift can get these touches and these plunges when they get inside the five? Because it's not going to be often. And if he's not getting any of them, or like 30%, that's going to hurt him, right? Yeah, he did get he did dominate the goal line work down the stretch last year over Adrian Peterson. So, but again, it's a new coaching staff, it's a new coordinator, so it's completely different and we've seen Anthony Lynn, you know, hype up Jamal Williams A because Anthony Lynn loves using multiple running backs, B because Jamal Williams is good at football, and I will say that forever and ever. I think Williams is better than people want to give him credit for. Is he amazing? Is he like a, a, a difference maker, a world changer? No. 
But is he also as bad of a slug and a slouch and a scrub as people make him out to be either? No. No, no, he's not. So, that is really what we're going to be listening for all the way through training camp regarding all of these teams for the NFC. Um, Like I said, Adam and I are going to be back. We're going to be discussing more fantasy football goodness. Getting you ready for week one, for you to dominate your leagues, and getting ready for the preseason. For Faith the Chalk, we are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Fade the Chalk with Derek and Adam. Make sure to follow your hosts and the podcast on Twitter at DBRO underscore FFB at AP Pfeiffer 24 and at Chalk Fade. Smash that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.